Hi, and welcome to the Yes Podcast. Here, we share a collection of real stories told by real people who have said, I am yes. I am young enough to serve. We hope these stories and the lessons in them encourage you and challenge you to get involved in kingdom work in your church, neighborhood, and life. Welcome to Yes. Hi, this is Judy Papano-Wick. And I think you're really going to enjoy today's show. We have the privilege of having with us Wayne Tesh. Wayne and his wife, Diane, founded Royal Family Kids. I'm going to let him tell you the background and how God dropped this amazing ministry into their heart and what he has led them to do. But if you've never heard of Royal Family Kids, this is a ministry for children that are in the foster care system. And through Royal Family, once a year, children are provided one week of camp. There is also a mentoring program that Wayne will tell you about. But through the camp program, the one week, it's offering life-changing memories for children that maybe don't have as many good memories that you think a child should have. And I love, I love the passion behind Royal Family Kids and so here's Wayne. So here is Wayne Tesh, and it is just such an absolute honor, Wayne, to have you on our podcast today. I can't wait for our guests to meet you. So welcome. Well, thank you very much, Judy. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice and be part of what you do. Well, thank you. So Wayne, I would just love for you to tell our listeners how God birthed this amazing ministry of Royal Family Kids in your heart and Diane's. Oh, Judy, I'll give you the short version. Basically what it is is that I've always had a heart for kids, but that originated back when I was 12 years old in upstate New York at a campground called Lakeview Gospel Camp. And it was on the shores of Lake Ontario, and it was a Thursday night, and I was altar time, and it was like, would you come forward and and have Christ be part of your life? And I said, of course I would, but I want to know what I'm going to be doing in life. And I said, dear, dear God, Jesus knew what he was going to do, and he was 12. I'm 12. Could you show me what I'm going to be doing? And it was at that moment that I saw a vision that God gave to me, a vision of children's faces, blacks, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian faces, and when my mom came to pick me up at 12, uh, that Saturday, uh-huh. uh, she said, uh, Wayne, what happened? And I said, well, I've been called into the ministry, and I've got to go to California to make it work, and I'm going to be working with children. And it was 12 years later when I was in California, and it was another 12 years, 24 years later from that, when I was 36, we began our first Royal Family Kids Camp uh, for abused and neglected children. Wow. These children, have, yeah, it's kind of exciting, but these are the children that have been thrown up against walls and locked in closets, children who hide under their beds in fear and whose nightmares are real, children who have been beaten with two-by-fours, whipped with bicycle chains, and mm. burned with cigarette butts, and for one week in the Cathedral of the Outdoors, surrounded by God's people, the seeds of hope and healing take place within their heart, and they become a new person in Christ Jesus. But also the trajectory of their life changes drastically. 
So that's it in a, in a nutshell. And what started with one camp, we now have 230 camps, Judy. 230. Wayne, that is so amazing. And to think that as a child, did you say you were 12 when God gave you that vision at camp? Yes, I and was 12. So, yeah, just to see how, how, how God gave you that vision and then indeed how it came and is continuing to come to fruition. To God be the glory. I think Wes and I learned about royal family kids. Oh boy, I'm going to guess like probably 30 years ago. Some dear friends of ours, John and Cherry Coates, they were some of your counselors. I think they were grandma and grandpa at one of your camps down in uh, Costa Mesa. And so they would, uh, every summer, they would go and serve for a week and they were so excited about the camp. And then one of my brothers, uh, I think it was Randy, and then eventually my brother Philip. I do have four of them, you know. <laughs> and they You've got a whole quiver full of them. Uh, <laughs> I guarantee you them that. Yeah, that we do. And so they started hosting these royal family kids camps, and so eventually Wes and I we were able to help be part of a launch of a royal family camp here in the Monterey Bay area in California. And I think I think they now have just. Uh, had their 12th or 13th year of having camp. So I know firsthand, Wayne, the importance of your vision and what this does in the lives of these children. So most of the children that attend these camps are coming out of the foster care system. Is that true? Correct. Ages 7 to 11 or 6 to 12. And they all have a history of abuse on record with social services. So while I know that you would have a plethora of amazing stories, and I've had the privilege of hearing so many of them, Wayne, but I just wondered if there was like one story that just stood out of a child, a camper, and how you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that one week at Royal Family Kids Camp absolutely transformed that child for eternity. The, the camp in Chicago had a gal attend by the name of Becky. And Becky was a little camper that came out of a pretty sad situation. And she was seven years old at the time. And during the years that she went to camp, the children's director of that camp and of that church adopted Becky. Becky went to camp, went to a new family, attended Vanguard University on a scholarship, has gone back to that church and has been worshiping there and is now the training coordinator of the local camp. She is in, she's 28 years old, and she said camp was the first time that adults kept their word by doing what they say they would do. Mm. They did it. So I get pretty excited about Becky, and there's whole, like you say, there's whole plethora. There's many people like that. The exciting thing is, Judy, is that as much as we want to do it for the children, I was amazed at what happened to adults that help serve. Right. That was beyond expectations. That that was unbelievable what God did because He showed up in adults' hearts and changed their lives to be able to be better grandparents, better husbands, better wives, and better individuals. It was just a great, great experience for the adult. You know, Wayne, that reminds me, when you came and spoke a few years ago at one of our Yes Dinners, 
you told the story of, I think it was your first camp and one of the the older women in the congregation at the church that helped plant this camp that she wanted to come. Oh, yeah. Tell that story, okay? (laughs) You know, I'll never forget it. Our first year, we went up in 1985, and we took 37 children and about 22 individuals. And we came back after that year and said, you know, we need to make it a little bit better. And I'll never forget, I had Mrs. McNutt, Marita McNutt was her name. She came up to me in the beginning when I made the announcement that we're starting our second camp. She came up to me after the service, and she pointed her crooked finger in my face, and she said, Wayne Tesh, I volunteered last year, and you thought I was too old and that you didn't take me. But I'm here today to say I've lived another year, and I'm willing to give another try because I know there's just something that we could do, my husband and I could do. I said, well, look, why don't you, on the spur of the moment, well, why don't you consider being a grandma and a grandpa? We could just have grandpa and grandmas. Well, that's what we started to do. The second year, we had Grandpa and Grandma McNutt. They were our first Grandpa and Grandmas. And then my daughter, when I came back, she was 15 years old from the second year. I'll never forget what she said. She said, Dad, I know why you have a Grandpa and a Grandma at your camp. And I said, why is that? She goes, so that when you get older and you want to retire, you'll be able to still help the children as a grandpa and grandma. And that is exactly what's taken place. It's kind of exciting. It's just kind of exciting to see that we're not finished yet. There's still things that God wants to do in our lives. So that's that's one of those stories with grandpa and grandma. And Judy, on the on a sidebar on that, Every one of our camps has a grandpa and a grandma and an aunt and an uncle. And we have what we call in our training for future camp directors, we have a host couple that takes care of all their needs, a retired husband and wife that will come and meet the needs of the adult trainees that are going through that training class for a week. And John and Sherry Coates, you mentioned them earlier, they are one of our host couples, and they're one of six individuals that travel around the country and minister to the needs of the trainees every week. So we're excited about that. Oh, oh, that it it excites me just to hear you talking about this, because I have seen this firsthand for people who have been invited to serve as either grandma and grandpa camp or at an uncle. And I see what it does for the precious children at the camp, but it's what it does for these adults who are in their second half of life that it just gives them, um, I don't know, there's just like a fresh, a fresh purpose or excitement. I mean, I have had grandparents that have served at one of your camps or aunts, aunts or uncles that have said that is like one of the highlights of the year serving in that role at camp. So, I know how important that ministry is. So what are some other examples that you could share, Wayne, that someone that is in their second half of life that might be listening, maybe this is the first time they've heard of Royal Family Kids and they think, okay, I would like to get involved in some area. What are what are some ways that you could say that adults could be involved in one of these camps? 
there's a myriad of ways that adults can be involved, Judy. And first of all, as a grandpa and grandma, second of all, I, I'll tell a little story. My father-in-law, who is 90 years old, and he lived in a senior citizen's housing down here in Costa Mesa, California, at Bethel Towers. And what he would do is that he would mobilize all the senior adults, and they would come down, uh, and they would put together kits to make things easier for the children to put together. And then woodworking, or if they made bracelets or whatever craft it was, he would mobilize some 15 to 20 adults that would help them put together these kits. Another thing he would do is that he would challenge all these elderly people to save all their bottles and, you know, he would go and collect all the bottles, uh, plastic bottles that they would throw away. He would take them down and redeem them. And that group of people would donate anywhere from 2000 to $3,000 a year just off of bottle money to help send a kid to camp. That's crazy. So it's kind of exciting. You know, I mean, there's things that we can do. And the reason why most people don't do anything is that no one challenges them to do something. And that's the thing that I saw with my father-in-law is that he, he was the guy, the impetus to make things happen, and people rallied to that. So don't wait. I would say to seniors, and I'm, I'm there myself, don't wait for something to happen. Create something. Let God speak to you. Do something exciting and, and bring a group of people on the journey with you. It's, it's just phenomenal that you can have so much fun doing it. Oh, well, wow. You can't get a better advertisement than that, right? (laughs) That's great. Oh, Wayne, I love it. So, Wayne, if you had a chance to speak to all the pastors in the world, they were all going to be together in one big arena, and you had a few minutes to say something to pastors on why they should consider incorporating royal family kids in their in their mission in their their community their their county what would you say to pastors on the on the benefit if you will of having a royal family kids camp judy i've i've thought about this because how do you communicate like that and i feel as though you have to focus on scripture to make this meaningful and i would say you look at what takes place in James, and it says pure religion is taking care of widows and orphans in their time of distress. And I believe in America, the orphans today are the children in in foster care. Mm. And then I would tell a few stories, but I would also come back to what I call the abused child psalm, Psalm 40, that says, wait patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings, and he put within my heart a new song. What we do is we give purpose and meaning to children, and they begin to sing a new song. Matter of fact, I last year I was in the doctor's office, and the nurse said, I, I hear what you and the doctor are saying. I want you to know I'm a, I'm a foster child, 
And I know of Royal Family Kids Camp. I never went. I was too old. Mm. But all my foster brothers and sisters in the house, there were four of them, they went. And I want you to know that they taught me the song. I don't know all the words, but I remember this. Heading for the Royal Family Kids Camp, heading for a lot of fun. And she stopped and she said, I don't know the whole song, but... I do remember them teaching me that, the beginning of the Royal Family Kids Camp song. I was awestruck because I realized that not only are the people who attend the camp moved, not only are the adults moved, but there's a whole network of friends and relatives that hear the message of what happens at Royal Family because of the children's experiences at a week of camp. So I'm pretty excited about that, Judy. You have every right to be. And again, I just know there are so many stories. We could keep you all day. The first time that uh, we did a Royal Family Kids Camp here in the Monterey Bay Area in California, our first camp, we came home that Friday afternoon, and it was so overwhelming. The, the joy of what we were able to do with the precious foster children that week but also how heart-wrenching it was when at the pickup at the church, when you would see, I mean, there were beautiful foster families that came and, and they loved the children and that part was good. But then, you know, there were group homes and God bless the people that serve in the group homes because that's a whole specialized ministry in itself. But just seeing some of the kids just for the first time meeting, the social worker would bring their their new foster parent or the group home leader and, you know, just to see the, the children just going to unfamiliar, an unfamiliar environment after being at camp for the week. My daughter, Heather, and I, we came home from that camp and we just sat in our living room and we bawled our eyes out. It was like, it was so fulfilling and heart-wrenching at the same time. And Wayne, I just can never thank you enough for what you and Diane, the vision that God placed on your heart and what you have done to help just thousands of children really all over the world because you do have some royal family camps around the world, right? In 11 different countries. It's amazing what God has done. But, Judy, what I always recall when you told that story of what happened to you and Heather in the living room and crying, I always wanted this. My prayer was, Lord, break my heart with the things that break your heart. Mm. And I... I can't help but think that children who are innocent victims of horrific deeds against them, uh, that breaks the heart of God. Right. And we, we identify with how God feels for the children who are the innocent victims. So I, I think there's something on that level that just grabs our hearts and makes a huge difference in the way we live our life because of that experience. It definitely does, Wayne. And I believe, like you told me early on when you were introducing me to camp and then when our co-camp director up here, Paula Morgan, and I went to training and you said, this does so much for a local church. It's like, not only are you reaching out to these precious children, but it's like what this does to strengthen a church. So I know for our home church in Santa Cruz Christian Life Center, this has been 
just one of the pillar ministries in the church for the last 10 or 12 years. And the church really has rallied around it. And we have wonderful people that are at the helm now, but we just cannot thank you enough for for planting this ministry. So Wayne, in closing, I would just love for you to, in closing, that sounds so pastoral, huh? Anyway, in closing, I would love for you to just share a little bit about legacy gifts and the role that you have now for the Children Foundation. Well, I appreciate that, Judy. One of the things that I realized early on is that there comes a time when a founder, co-founder, has to go through a succession plan and understand what does that mean. And when you are called to be a steward of a dream instead of an owner of a dream, it makes it so much easier. So my wife and I, we've gone through a succession plan and we're at another level in helping royal family. And we, my role now is working as president of For the Children Foundation, the second half of my life now, and I'm working on that to raise legacy gifts for the sustainability of royal family kids. And here's one of the things I like to say is that you've always heard where there's a will, there's a way. You've also heard it say where there's a will, there's relatives. (laughs) But at Royal Family, we say where there's a will, there's hope for a Mm. child. And one of the things that I realized that Christians who their whole life are, they tend to be good stewards, but yet only 22% of a hundred, only 22% of the people have a will or a trust. That means 78% of the people have never written a trust or a will for when they pass on. Mm. And we know that we can't take it with us, but we can help some people by giving something to them here on, on earth. So we need to take care of our families. We need to take care of our churches. We need to take care of our colleges. But I also say we need to take care of ministries that God has birthed right. to meet specific needs. And so that's what I'm doing. Because the truth of the matter, I always ask the question, what percentage of people you think have wills? And I always say 100% of people have wills, because if you don't have one, the state has one for you. Okay. And that that tends to take away. So when we join together and try to put things together in this, Judy, what you can do to help people is to challenge them to be a steward in their afterlife, to challenge them to leave a legacy. And it's not just about valuables, but it's about the values that we hold true. And those values need to be planted deep within our children and our grandchildren's lives. So with that in mind, you know, that's what uh, For the Children is all about, is to challenge people to help children that do not have a legacy that your legacy can make an important difference in their lives. I love that, Wayne. And it just seems like a natural fit for you just to flow over to that area of the ministry. Like you said, that this now your second half of life in this ministry. And just thank you for what you're doing. If there's anyone listening that you just have any amount of resources that you could share with Royal Family Kids. I can't say enough good about that ministry. And obviously you can Google it, but it'll be on the show notes today, the link to their website. And on the website, you can find out ways that you can donate to Royal Family Kids. But 
We just can't say enough good about what this ministry is doing. Wayne, I just love your passion and I love your heart. You really are a Jesus man and you model what you teach and what you preach. And I just, um, Wes and I just love that about you and Diane. So in closing, could I just ask you to pray for those listening that God will direct their steps and perhaps someone at least might be able to become more involved with your ministry? Oh, Judy, it's not about the ministry as much as it is about the individual finding Mm -hmm. and hearing from God. So let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to be able to come to you and ask on behalf of adults all over that your spirit would touch and tug at their hearts to do the incredible and the impossible. To have them give their time and their talents and their treasures to make an incredible difference in the world in which we live. Lord, I pray for them as they work and they walk down this path that they'll take their family with them, that grandchildren and children, Lord, may the seeds of hope and, and love just reside deep within their lives because of senior adults who care enough to make a difference in, in people's lives. So, Father, I pray for each person that will be able to give joyously and with a, an abundant heart. And, Lord, I ask that you'll be with, yes, young enough to serve, that Judy and Wes are involved with, that you'll bless them and encourage them to do the things that you have placed in their hearts. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Wayne, so much for coming and sharing today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Yes Podcast. If you are interested in getting involved with Yes or would simply like more information about this ministry, we welcome you to visit our website at yes2serve.org.